Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. Make sure to click on the links in my show link or email me at michelle.zou at ptcgconsulting.com. And as always, I welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today, we have Benjamin Lee with me on this show. Benjamin is the chairman of Hong Kong Greater China Business Association of Washington. He is also the CEO of Foreign Sources Limited. It's an import and export company based in Seattle. I have known Benjamin for many years, and he's very well respected in the Seattle area by in our Chinese community, as well as in the local other communities. Today, we are going to talk about trade with China in the apparel industry. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Hello, Michelle. How are you? Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, doing this interview with me. As I said, uh, I've known you for a couple of years, and uh, I went to your Hong Kong Greater China Business Association's uh, events. Every year you have big events, and you have also done a lot of different things in the U.S. for the past many years. So maybe I would like you to introduce yourself to our audience. Give us a little bit more details on who you are, so what you have done before, so we get a better picture of your background. Okay, perhaps start with my family. My family is in the textile industry、uh, for almost four generations. Started originally from Shanghai for the communists. And、Before 1949, well, that's、yeah. what you mean. <laughs> so, actually, my grandfather, grandparents, my father escaped 748 from Shanghai, and my father took the last flight out of Shanghai, flew into Taiwan. The plane, the weather was bad. He landed in Taiwan, so he started a factory in Taiwan. Then got married. I was born in Taiwan, and later on, he reunited with rest of his siblings in Hong Kong. Of course, many of his siblings also in the textile business. We are actually the first textile factory launched in Hong Kong. When was that? The late fifties. Wow, that's many years the, ago. The reason is back then in Shanghai, we had ordered textile machineries from United States, and to produce the machine, it takes many years. And also back then, shipping from United States to Hong Kong to China, it takes a long time. Slow boat to China, <laughs> <laughs> months. But we know the Japanese. I mean, the, the war started, so we contact the U.S. manufacturing 
have them drop shipment, don't ship it to Shanghai, and somehow they find this little seaport island in Hong Kong. So the container was dropped off in Hong Kong, and actually was set there for over a year before they realized. Then after the war thing settled down, they. Open up the container, and being an island with a seawater, they they have to use the machine to otherwise it will get rust.、Uh-huh. So that's how they started the textile industry in Hong Kong. We,、so、we are the first generation <laughs> textile business manufacturing in Hong Kong. Okay, it's by accident. <laughs> right, started there. And back then, we don't make apparel, piece goods. We make、uh, we buy raw cotton, we make yarns, we make fabrics. So our family basically is buy raw cotton, make yarn, and we have a fabric mill, dyeing mill, cut and sew mill later on. And because all textile piece could come to United States,、uh, Canada require quotas. So when we decided we have the apparel manufacturing, we not only have the factory in Hong Kong, we have in、uh, Southeast Asia country to use each country's quota. But originally, when we make fabrics, we make bed sheets,、uh, make curtains because we order those white textile machines, so the fabric is really white. white. So、mm-hmm. it's different than making apparels, garments. But later on, we continue expand the factory, expand to different apparels. So from woven's, we have denim factories. We also have knit. Factories make T-shirts because we see the train. You know, Adidas, Nike is getting really big. Then I basically came here in early 70s. I came here for education.、Uh, went to school. After I finished, I came here for high school and college. When I finished school, I helped our family. My dad still continue buying the textile machinery through Rockwell down at South and North Carolina. And I went to Memphis, the cotton brokerage firm, to buy cottons. And then I also import the finished goods later on.、Mm. So I know the industry in and out pretty well. Yeah, back in it's like from the family business. Yes, I grew up.、Um, it's、uh, more than half century. Your family has been doing the textile apparel in this industry, and then you started right after school, become a professional <laughs> person in this industry. Yes.、Mm-hmm. Wow! So you mentioned that you moved to the U.S. in the 1970s, and you stayed in the early in, 70s. Yes. Uh huh. And you stayed in the Seattle area since then. Pretty much. Uh huh. Okay. So, and as I did the introduction, you are also the chairman of this、uh, Hong Kong Greater China Business Association, of Washington. And what、uh, is that one association about, and、uh, why did you start that? Actually, how did I start with this Hong Kong Association first before we add on Greater China after? President Xi was here three years ago. I was with Seattle Chinese Chamber of Commerce in Chinatown for six years. Then the Hong Kong Trade Development Council had asked me to establish a Hong Kong Business Association over here.、Mm-hmm. So it was just a timing. I feel since I grew up in Hong Kong, I know Hong Kong pretty well, and I say, all right, I will establish a Hong Kong Association over here in Washington. In United States, there's total twelve chapters.、Mm, already twelve chapters.、Uh-huh. Yes. Wow. So it's not only on the trade side, on your business side, you are very engaged in those、uh, communities, as well as connected with China, with Hong Kong, and、uh, maybe China mainland. I would assume. Yes. From what I know about you. <laughs> 
we Chinese say yin shui si yuan. I would never forget what my roots, my culture, and since I live here for half of my age, I understand the Western culture pretty well, and I'm willing to help both sides to do a lot of culture exchange. I work hard, I play hard, and I also believe giving back to the community. So I do a lot of charity events. I set on many nonprofit organizations help raising money mm-hmm. and help our Asian community step into the mainstream. Yeah. And that's my passion now, pretty much. Okay, that's your passion. You are not、uh, focusing on your business anymore. Well, business is pretty much well established. It just follows through with some key vendors, customers. I'm not doing much new customer, but I have many friends still come to me, consult me, and ask me with the industry how to work with China manufacturing.、Mm-hmm. And of course, we all know、uh, about thirty years ago when China changed the economic, the order import export has a permit. Basically, it's controlled by the government leaders. Then the WTO was within the five years they still require a quota. Then the quota will be expire after five years. So things has changed since then, and also China's now is inflation is getting so expensive. So many of the manufacturing is shifting to Cambodia and Vietnam, but those countries they don't make raw material. Piece of majority still come from China,、uh-huh. and the, all the accessories like buttons and labels, a lot of printing stuff. So those countries, the apparel factories, basically what they do is just they do cut, make, and trim. So the fabric has to come from the fabric mill, the button, the thread, the label, the, the packaging accessories. So there's zippers. There's many other things involved with just a one piece of apparel.、Mm-hmm. I work with many department stores and branding licensees over here and help them do sourcing. Okay, so your company, Foreign Sources Limited, is really focusing on sourcing. Is that correct? Tell us more about what it, this company is. Well, just like it says, it's a sourcing. We source all kind of things, not necessarily just apparel.、Mm-hmm. Anytime I have friends here in Seattle or in United States, they, they say, "Ben, I, I need help. Are you able to help me to, you know, get some items?" But that's other reason is we're working with the Hong Kong Trade Development Council, and Hong Kong basically is has. Many trading company agencies they can do all the protocols and sourcing mainland China's、mm-hmm. factory.、Yeah. So for anyone want to learn how to do business with China, we can help them to introduce to Hong Kong Trade Development Council. We have a lot of know-how and help them set up a referral and get pricing quotations.、Mm-hmm. Sounds it's more like a consulting company. <laughs> you don't do the trade yourself. Yes, I do. Oh, you still do the trade、yes. yourself? Well, some of the, I might not do smaller orders or startup companies. I will refer them to a friend. But today, in the retail industry, is so price driven.、Mm-hmm. So, for the people don't have experience, they think they can start something small. But usually, you have a minimum order and. Anything that requires best order, which is on a smaller scale, then your piece good, the dying color will be different than a bulk bigger order. Oh wow! <laughs> so sometimes there are a lot of things to learn to educate them. 
Mm-hmm. So if I understand correctly, what your company, the Foreign Sources Limited, is doing, it looks like、uh, you guys still do some trading, but、uh, you only do large business, not small ones. And you also do the sourcing for other companies, and maybe、uh, consulting or education, <laughs> these kinds of things to help other businesses、uh, to do. Yeah, lots. Lot of times, I have many friends. For example, a few years back, we have a local designer. She's Asian. Her name is Lily Yang. She had a contract with Alaska Airline and design all the uniforms. And uniform, you have blouse, shirt, T-shirt, jacket, pants, skirt, other accessories. So that will require many different factories. So the best way is. I tell her how to start. Go to fabric mill to source the fabric, and go to different factory or go to one large agency、mm-hmm. to shop around. Wow! So her job is not just a designer; she needs to deliver the whole goods、yes. at the end, right? All、yes. kinds of clothes that、uh, right. Alaska Airlines so requires. So, being、uh-huh. a designer, of course, you have to go visit the factories, visit all the fabric companies. Shop price, so you can come up with target price because you got to put together a proposal for the airlines.、Mm, wow, the same as retailer,、project. when a buyer come to me, you either give me a a target price if I can meet the target price because retailer everybody have competitors. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's time to take a very quick break. Then we will come back and、uh, dig more into this apparel industry in China, and help our audience understand the opportunities and the tips of doing this business with China. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting dot com. Now back to this week's program. Now we're back. So before the break, Benjamin, you gave us a great example of a designer that designed a whole set of clothes for Alaska Airline, and you also mentioned she does not just design it; she needs to provide the finished products to the customer. I think that's a great example. And how does the apparel and fashion industry change through those years? And based on your experience, your observation in this industry, in the apparel industry, 
basically it's a fashion industry. You have to go with a fashion trainee. And in Europe, they are one year ahead of the United States. And I think many of the fashion from the U.S. side, it's kind of everybody go to the trade show and copy each other and cut corner from each other. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, when we call fashion, the fashion, it's change seasonal, change otherwise are not able to hold the prices. It's not like bulk production can negotiate much lower price by volumes. And also I see things change. Uh, some apparel say, well, I must have, for example, YKK zippers, the Japanese brand. And some people say, I don't care as long as, you know. It works. <laughs> it works, the price, because so much price dripping. And back then, we go to Europe a couple times a year, and we go to Vegas for the magic, we call it the magic show, the men's apparel guy in California, but they moved to uh, Las Vegas. So it's one big family. Mm. And when China opened up, we see Japan, Korea, Taiwan, manufacturing shift there mixed to uh, in China. And today, China, because the real estate, because the labor, because everything else, so it has forced them to shift to Cambodia and Vietnam. And also the U.S. are not, buyers are not spending that much time traveling, so they contact sourcing agents, help them, that will save a tremendous money. Um, because you go to Asia, you have to fly international flights and hotels and, you know, all those cost money. The industry, the fashion, folk start from the fabric mill. The fabric mill have to come up with new fabrication. Otherwise, if just a basic piece good, then you're not able to raise the price. you got to come up with some... They you innovate. Know, right? Yeah, innovate. <laughs> <laughs> Today, everything, the industry, regardless, it's all innovation. Yeah. Yeah. So technology is also placed yes. in very traditional industries, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we see even factory with a robot machine, our large apparel factories using laser cutting. It just saves so much labor and there's no wastage. Mm. And also manufacturing, there's always a green energy factor. So China also concerning shut down many, many factories. Yeah, environmental pollution yeah. related. Correct. Yeah, yes. so yeah, so mm-hmm. all those are price driving are related. It's difficult for somebody had never been to China or understand the manufacturing side. There's so much to learn, and to me, I think working with experienced sourcing agent with because they know all their relationship with all the factories. Mm-hmm. So sounds like uh, from what you said, uh, there are a couple of big changes in the industry. One is the technology is playing a big role. There's lots of innovation in the industry, and from the textile materials to the ways how to make those clothes and accessories, a lot of things are happening. Uh, the other thing you also mentioned, uh, geography, the geography, the trends. Manufacturers uh, were in China, but now China become more expensive in terms of the labor as well as maybe energy and also the environmental protection side of awareness. So many of the manufacturers has moved to other Asia countries. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the other thing is many of us not industry that would not know, for example, all the textile goods coming to the United States require country origins. Mm-hmm. 
And China actually is making a lot of high-end European brand, but European does not require country origin. They would provide you, for example, German brand. They would say made in West Germany, made in Italy. It just transshipment. They ship back to Europe, then they come into United States. Also, because Asian market has growing so big, Asian people believe branding. So, the goods. Are not necessary. It's designed in West Germany, designed Italy, but it's not made there. Oh, I see what you mean. So designing and making is two things, right? Yes. It might be all made in China or some other Asian countries, but、uh, because European countries do、Quite. not have this country origin requirements, so in their label, if it's something shipped to Europe, then they ship the from Europe to the U.S. The country of origin looks like it might have changed to and, and the also, European countries. For example,、huh. over here there are a lot of we call those promoters. When you have big games, big concert, those T-shirt, they will ship the T-shirt at very very low price and print the concert、mm-hmm. uh, things. The logos. So if your printing or whatever additional is more than your basic goods, then you don't have to say it's made in China. So you are saying the cost, right? When you say the, the printing is more than, you are saying the the cost or the price adding to the overall yeah piece. Uh huh. China after WTO this past thirty years has produced many experienced labor and Dongguan area. If you go to a third world country, we don't call China a third world country anymore. To Cambodia, to India, or to、uh, Vietnam, you have to start from scratch, from zero training. The workers,、mm-hmm. so you waste a lot of time, and when they make a mistake, there's a lot of damage.、Mm. So China still have that、uh, advantage in terms、Big、of those,、uh, yes, yeah, skilled yes. workers, laborers.、Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I still think China continue will grow industry. Yeah, even though many manufacturers are moving out from China, and and also China population if it's growing, China people also need to shop. We also see Costco is going into Shanghai. It's That's true. The first flagship <laughs> store. China. Right. Well, China,、uh, the market is really, really big. It's big enough, right? So that's、uh, not just for the Chinese brand playing. And、uh, a lot of Chinese people they like foreign brands. Yes. They are trying to buy those、uh, products. That's why, yeah. I think today internet information is pretty transparent, and you basically you can shop from computer anywhere to see who's. Having sales or having this, so information is basically hurting the in- industry as well. How do you explain that? Because a buyer in the retail we call the open dollar to buy. So you place an order for a whole year or whole season.、Mm-hmm. If not getting the right price or right product, then the product's not moving. Even myself, sometimes I wonder why the same branding. The label you can buy at Costco, or some people, all the tourists say, "I want to go to the outlet mall to shop."、Mm-hmm. Yeah. The who shops at department store and who shops at specialty store? This industry is getting so confused. The same item you can pay a premium, or you can pay average price, or you can pay really low price when go on sale. And today, some stores, for example, like Macy's, they will continue marking down because the real estate costs money. If off-season goods, they move back to the storage. 
the labor costs money, the storage costs money, even their own, you know, property, then on sale, moving back out, might as well just get rid of it, cash flow. Mm-hmm. Fashion industry turnaround is relatively quick. After the season, then <laughs> you, you better get rid of uh, everything. Uh-huh. That's right. So we're seeing so many branding shutting down, close the store. The industry, only high ends can manage to survive their own boutiques. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what I heard from you is uh, the overall industry, because with the uh, internet, uh, with all these new technology and the new business models, the traditional retail brand, uh, all these specialty or high-end, uh, you know, some of those brands, retail brands, they have a hard time to survive. And uh, I also heard that uh, in terms of how China plays in this uh, overall ecosystem, you have a strong confidence that uh, China will still play a big role in the worldwide apparel industry, not just say in China. That's uh, due to the experience, uh, the neighbors, uh, and all this ecosystem already developed in China during the past many years when they were the manufacturing center. So that's one. Second is because the China domestic market is still very strong. It's really big. You know, the apparel industry still keep on growing. So they continue to produce all these uh, goods and continue to accumulate all kinds of experience there. So they are still playing a big role in the worldwide market. Yes. Since I've been in the industry for many years, every time I travel, everywhere I go, I pay a lot of attention to retailers, consumers, what's in trendy. Mm-hmm or go to the department store to look at where the piece of good are being made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to know uh, the competition, and go to trade shows all the time and talk to you know, the people in the industry to find out. Mm. Okay, so I think it's time to take another quick break and we will become back right away. is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, now let's continue talk about the China's apparel industry. From all these years since China opened the door and started to attract foreign investment in order to help develop the economy in China, and China become a huge uh, what's the word we use? The world's manufacturer. I see some changes here. Uh, I remember when I was in China back in the 80s and the early 90s, a lot of the brands, like let's say fashion side, right? A pearl fashion side. The brands that they go to China and they have 
of the manufacturer sites in China to manufacture for the、uh, design. They send the design to China. And then to have the goods made in China. Yeah, to have the to goods manufactured in China. Yeah, to manufacture it in China, then they export. Correct. Yeah,、uh, export the finished product back to the worldwide markets. That was、uh, many years ago. And these days, I think、uh, things have changed a lot. And、uh, in one of the show, I have a guest、uh, talking about、uh, Chinese coming to the U.S. For example, the visitors, the tourists, then they spend a lot of money buying all kinds of goods, and especially those uh, uh, branded uh, like accessories and clothes,、uh, shoes, all these kind of things. Yeah. So, what have you observed in this、uh, change, the the trend in China, and what does that mean? To business people who are in this industry, from my experience, that since I grew up in Hong Kong, before Hong Kong returned back to China in '97, after this China signed the WTO, opened up, and also basically Chinese right now they have the world's biggest spending power. Things are totally shift, and old days we call Hong Kong. Shoppers' paradise. It's like a free zone, right? Yeah, no import duty. But today, I think China we see all the major、uh, worldwide branding, all the major European branding, open up their flagship store in China instead of Japan or Hong Kong.、Hmm. And obviously, there is such major market share. Otherwise, they would not open their flagship store. And Shanghai or Beijing or Chengdu. Old days, manufacturing sometimes they will have、uh, leftover fabrics or we call the reject the second goods. They circulate it in the local market. But today, we even many many the high end branding the knockoff goods are not selling on the streets on the open market. You have to go to the back alley.、Uh, it's getting less and less because now people can go to Alibaba, go to、uh, Amazon, every. Everybody shop online, so everybody go to internet to buy things. Those knockoff are not like it used to be. I think those people having a hard time survive as well. Yes, that has been a concern, a major concern for because、uh, for, for those brands, right? Yes, yeah, the knockoff or the back, copycats. Back then, copycat or knockoff, many of the major branding they don't have a so-called sole agent or distributor in China. China is so big. Besides major city, the second tier, third tier city. But of course, on the village, people don't buy these kind of things. So we talk about you used to see those Nike, Adidas, or or things got knocked off. But I think the market, regardless, will be there on a much smaller scale. Even back then, in Hong Kong, every street corner and the tourist places, you see them. But today, government also chasing those business out, and otherwise, major branding would not establish. In the country,、mm-hmm. so yes, the industry has changed. The shoppers' pace has changed. So, and、uh, I notice, especially in Hong Kong, if we want to buy something, we just have to make a couple calls. We know friends. Somebody got to know some people can able to get <laughs> discounts. But now, major branding also understand the industry,、uh, the, the retail side of it. So they decided instead of giving the chain store, they have their own boutique store to control the prices. Not able to discount anymore.、Mm. So it's their own branded store, their own store they control directly. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah.、Mm. So that way you were not able to buy the fake stuff or the knockoff stuff or I mean sometimes you would think you go to. The store to buy things, you should not buy the face stuff. But turns out some stores even have their face stuff too.、Mm-hmm. 
You mean what kind of store have fake stuff? Well, I heard people buy LVs from LV store because they cannot even tell the difference. And the knockoffs, there's what we call the A grade and B grade. So some of the knockoff stuff is so real that you cannot tell the difference. Wow. But just from the price, it's cheaper, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and they can knock off those watches that look so real. It, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. So from what you just said, it looks like uh, China had those uh, these type of uh, issues or problems of uh, we call it a knockoff, which is a copycat, mm-hmm. and uh, use the fake products in order to sell. You know, it is selling at a cheaper price, but uh, it's still pretty good profit for those manufacturers. But today, this phenomena is getting less. The Chinese consumers, many of them are trying to buy the genuine products. That's one of the reasons why they come when they come to the U.S. and they go to outlet, buy those uh, brands and buy a lot. I assume the price is cheaper in the U.S. outlet compared to the, those particular or their own branded stores in China. Is that correct? Uh, sometimes I think it's just psychologically you think, oh, U.S. doesn't have such things. You the tariff yeah. or the, the import the, duty. <laughs> right, and able to get cheaper. But yes, now all the tourists, they think because the exchange rate difference, because all the factors, even the European, they come to U.S. to shop. U.S., it is now the cheapest place to shop. <laughs> <laughs> Gasoline definitely is cheaper than any place, yeah. any place else, and a lot of the brand <laughs> is cheaper. <laughs> what are the tips you give to those brands if they want to, no matter if they want to manufacture in China, I think most of them they have to, and, uh, or they want to sell to the China market? Usually, branding, you either establish, open a China office, look for a partner, or let importer to handle it. So direct sales or you use uh, distributors, distributors yeah, yes. in the middle. Yeah. So That's traditional way, right? If something goes wrong, then you can help their responsible, say, because it depends on your contract, your agreement, why there's knockoff things over there, why you're not paying attention. Obviously, you can tell from the sales. So I think the market is there for everything. There's a market for everything. And if you have the right product with the good name, the right time at the right place, you can make a lot of money. And Benjamin, in the very beginning of the introduction, I mentioned that you are the chairman of Hong Kong Greater China Business Association of Washington, right? So what is the function or the, what's the mission of this organization? The organization basically uh, is trying to establish bridging culture between U.S. state Washington and Asia, including China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Hong Kong, in the past, it's a British colony. It's a international big capital, and we grew up not specifically for it, it's a multiculture. So we are focused here with no boundary multiculture bridging, helping the new immigrants or the Chinese understand their cultures and working with both the U.S. and the American-born Chinese and the new immigrant to helping bridging the different industry, doing a lot of coaching. That's what we focus on. Mm-hmm. So who are the members today? 
in this organization? Our members covers many business people, many IT companies, the healthcare, hospital, education. I work with UW Medicine. I work with Swedish Providence Hospital. We've been to China many times. Uh, working with a lot of various different company industries, mm-hmm. those are our key members. Mm. Quite a variety of yes. different industries yes. uh, and the professionals. Yes, and that we also uh, have a very strong relationship with Hong Kong Trade Development Council, and every year we go back for a trade show, and we also each time we have a side trip to go to a different city in China to visit the Chinese uh, manufacturing or the overseas, what do you call it, commerce departments, mm-hmm. to understand uh, the changes, mm. to update all the information, okay. to so provide those uh, service for our members. Mm. So it's really functional as the bridge to the companies and the business in the U.S. as well as to Hong Kong and the China mainland. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sounds great. Well, I think it's time to say goodbye to everyone now. And I want to thank our audience uh, for being here with us. They will have talked about uh, trade in with China in the apparel industry. And I want to send a special thank you to our guest, Benjamin Lee. Uh, you can find more about the Hong Kong Greater China Business Association of Washington at uh, the website uh, hkbaw.org. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to In China with Michelle Zhou. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 